0: Hey, everybody, this is John Finn, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I dot We are a house church network. We celebrate the gathering of the saints by meeting in homes and where possible, rotating each week on who hosts and rotating each week who leads could be one and the same, whoever hosts also leads, but not always. So what happens over time is as people become more comfortable with opening their homes or with sharing what's on their heart, a revelation, a teaching, something that God's given them or shown to them or has done something this week, as people become more comfortable, a core group of people who can host and who are willing to lead develop and you rotate among those so that the burden doesn't fall on any one person's shoulders but maybe people might host, you might have enough to, to host just once every week or, or, excuse me, once every four weeks or six weeks or something like that. And so when you outgrow a home, you just multiply out because you've got a core group of people who are used to hosting and leading and they just pick up where they left off. So anyway, cwowi.org Today asking the question, why did Jesus almost get stoned to death? Why was he almost executed by stoning? And this is part of talking about the existence, the pre-existence of Jesus in the Old Testament and exactly who he is. It's kind of a theme I've been going on the last uh, two or three weeks, and this is another element of it. Last week, I talked about the word of the Lord, how he appeared to the prophets as the word of the Lord. So that should be fresh in your mind if you if you saw last week's talking about that. Um, so we'll pick it up there. And The question is, is, why did he almost get stoned to death? The events that precipitated that is in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. Now in John chapter 8, verse 56, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, with the religious leaders, and he said, among other things, I'll just break into the conversation. He said, Truly, truly I say to you, well, I'll back up. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. What do you mean that you've seen Abraham? And Jesus looked at them and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, it says they immediately then picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus hid himself. He went through the midst of them. And that's for another discussion about how he did that. But the point is this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that triggered them. Now, the reason for that is because the I am is the person, is the one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And we'll look at that in a minute. But there were other I am statements in the New Testament. And there are two in particular where Jesus, again, said, I am just as a standalone statement. One of them is at his arrest in, Matt, in John chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Uh, you know, they don't know who Jesus is. They're coming to arrest this Jesus of Nazareth. They're on orders. This little group of disciples and men are, you know, they're all together there. And they come to him and they come to arrest. And, and Jesus says to them, who are you guys looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And John chapter 18, John chapter 18, verses five and six says this. Jesus therefore said to them, I am. And when he therefore said to them, I am, they were moved physically backwards and they fell to the ground. John chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. And so there's an expression of the I am. What Jesus is doing there is he's letting them know he's being taken voluntarily. This is a voluntary surrender, that he is the the power within himself because he is I am. He has the power to to just wipe them out. But there's just enough power in his words that they just were moved backwards by his word, by his statement, the true statement that he is the I am. The Amplified Bible will pick up on it. I think it's the literal standard version will pick up on that, and of course, in the Greek interlinear. The other statement uh, of I am is something that occurred during Jesus walking on the water. Matthew chapter 14 records the event, Mark chapter 6, and also John chapter 6, uh, although that just covers a little bit of it. But uh, in Mark chapter 6, it says he would have moved, he would have gone on past them, would have walked out on past them. John chapter 6 and verse 21 says that when Jesus got into the boat, immediately it was transported to the uh, other side where they were going, a distance of maybe five kilometers, six kilometers, two or three miles. So John chapter 6, 21 tells us that when they got in, when Jesus got in the boat, Jesus and Peter climbed back into the boat, immediately it was at the land where it was going. Matthew 14 carries with it the, the subject for today, which is, I am. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus comes walking on the water. And if you read most translations, it says something like, they were afraid it was a ghost. Or they were afraid, you know, they were seeing something. I mean, it was a stormy night, they've been working hard, you know. And, and so that the translations, I, I, I'm guessing the translators didn't want to get into the Jewish culture or something. Uh, why they so, so miss so flagrantly and so... Hugely just flat out miss what Jesus actually said. Most translations will say, uh, Hey guys, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, then let, invite me or command me to walk on the water with you. That's not what happened at all. If you read the Amplified, the literal standard, I think, in the King and uh, the Greek interlinear, it says this, Jesus came walking to them and he said, take courage. I am now. Stop being afraid. Then Peter said to him, Lord, if you are, then command me to walk on the water to you. You see, this is not an exchange between Jesus and Peter of, oh, no, is it really you? This is Peter challenging the I am statement. Jesus comes to him, take courage. I am. Now stop being afraid. And Peter says, Lord, if you are, in other words, if you are the I am, command me to walk to you on the water. And Jesus immediately said, come on. And so that, it's no wonder that less than two chapters later in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15, 16, 17, when Jesus said, who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter said, I know, I know. (laughs) You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, And Jesus said, hey, flesh and blood didn't show this to you, but my father in heaven. Yeah, see that revelation came. It was dawning on Peter all the way through. But having Jesus come to him and said, I am. Stop being afraid. And then Peter walking on the water, that contributed to Peter's revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But that statement, the I am statement, comes from to us from Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 in particular. Uh, this is where Moses is at the burning bush, and it says the Lord appeared to him out of that. We just have the idea of a burning bush, but it says the Lord appeared to him. And it says numerous times, uh, Acts chapter 7, here in Exodus 3, talks about the Lord appearing to Moses. But here's what he says. When he gets the command to go back and, and deliver Israel out of Egypt, Moses says, well, who do I say is sending me? And his reply is, I am that I am. Therefore, you will say to the children of Israel, I am is sending me to you. Thus you will say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is sending me to you. That's all out of Exodus 3, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So what we see here is the I am. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, went back in John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58, and, and they said, oh, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am. They immediately connected that I am with them what they connected with was the man standing before them was claiming to be the same one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And they to them that's blasphemy because they didn't believe so they picked up stones to, to kill Jesus. What's interesting is, if you'll recall from last week I shared about how the word of the Lord, uh appeared to Samuel and then appeared as the word of the Lord through the Old Testament prophets. Here we have an interesting combination because in Exodus 3.14, he identifies himself as the I am. And then in verse 15, he says, thus you'll say, after after he says, I am, is sending me to you. Uh, the very next verse says, verse 15 says, thus you'll say to the children of Israel, the Lord God, the Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is sending me to you. So here you have Jesus claiming to be the I Am, and then also in that same passage in Exodus chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the Lord God, the Jehovah Elohim. Where do we see the Lord God? We see in Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where it talks about how the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, and how the Lord God formed Adam's body out of clay and then breathed into it to make it a living soul. And then we see that the Lord God brought all the animals by Adam to see what he would name them. And the Lord God, Genesis 3:21, the Lord God killed an animal for the very first blood sacrifice and clothed Adam and Eve, showing us that clothing is a type of the covering of God's righteousness over the nakedness of our sinfulness. And, and that picture and that type was there by the Lord God who materialized, who appeared as the son given. Uh, the, the Lord God, the I am to, to Adam and Eve there to cover their sins. It's interesting. Also, I, I love it in Genesis chapter 15. In verse one, it says, And the word of the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward. And Abram replied and said, Lord God, Jehovah Elohim, Lord God, what are you going to give me that I, seeing that I'm childless and this Eliezer? my steward is set to inherit everything i own so here we see not just the i am we see the lord god tied to the word of the lord again genesis 15:1 the word of the lord appeared to abram and said i am your shield i am your reward and abram called him lord god jehovah elohim so the word of the lord and the lord god and the i am I am are one in the same. They are the person of Christ, the son who was given from heaven so that he could become the child born in Bethlehem. So that's an amazing thing. And what I also love, if you go to, um, Ephesians chapter four and verse eight, where it talks about the work of Jesus on the cross and says, what is it that he, 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 uh, ascended, but that he first descended into the lower parts, plural of the earth. Paradise and hell were the two compartments at the time in the earth. They descended to the lower parts of the earth and then he rose up. And it says he, and it says, therefore he says, uh, as it is written, as he says, he has ascended up on high. He has given gifts unto men. And Paul, when he says, therefore he says, or when you see Paul's writings in the epistles and he says, therefore it says, or therefore he says, he's referencing something in the Old Testament and he wants the reader to understand. It's the same way that if you or I are talking today and we have a partial reference to something, we we know that that will click in the mind of whoever we're talking with, that we're including that other event. Um, so anyway, um, so... When he says, you ascended up on high, you gave gifts unto men. That's a quote from Psalm 68, 18. And Psalm sixty-eight eighteen says, you ascended up on high, you gave gifts unto men. And it says this, so that the Lord God can live among the rebellious. So that the Lord God can live among the rebellious. See, that Lord God is the I am who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. He is Jesus, the person of Jesus. And you say, well, how does, how does the Lord live among the rebellious? He gave gifts unto men so that he can live among the rebellious. How does he do that? Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. Because we are born again. We are children of God. We are new creations in Christ. And so in that, when we go to work, when we go to school, where we go about our daily routines, he by virtue of living in us, Christ is living among the rebellious, among the heathen. He, he is, he, he is being manifest when we walk in love, when we pay it forward, when we are kind, when we could be cruel, when we show grace, when we should, could show a, a grumpy attitude or something like that, or arrogance or haughtiness. When we walk in that love, we are demonstrating that Christ is living among the heathen. Isn't that an amazing thing? So, so no matter what our walk in life is, if you've got Christ in you, you're taking him with you so that all you have is holy. There's no, for us, for us, there's no such thing as secular. We have to get the idea of a sacred and secular is purely from the auditorium church. It's been around 1700 years. The New Testament reality is everything is sacred. Because we've got Christ in us. Our home is sacred. Our computers, our phones, our our vehicles, wherever we go to work, anything we touch, it's all sacred. It's all dedicated to God because Christ is in us. So everything is sacred. Isn't that an amazing thing? So we come around full circle and we say, you know, why did Jesus almost get stoned uh, to death? Why did they almost uh, pick up stones to kill him? Because Jesus stated the truth before Abraham was I am. And so we see by proving it, Exodus 3 14 and 15, that the I am and the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the same. And we go back to Genesis 15 1, and it says, The word of the Lord appeared to Abram, and Abram replied to him, Lord God, what are you going to give me? The I am, the word of the Lord, the Lord God, all embodied, all the same. He is the Son Christ who existed with the Father, and who was given to become the child born. Amazing grace. All right, hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless. John fan C-W-O-W-I.org.